Welcome to Late Night Talks with Amy Jo, a place where you're going to find inspiration, wisdom, and healing. A podcast for men. Hello, welcome to Late Night Talks with Amy Jo. <laughs> I hope you're having an amazing, intentional week with purpose in all that you do. We are finally having some pleasant weather here. It's been terribly cold and miserable. It's just been a very long winter. And finally, we're starting to have some warm weather, which makes a girl happy. I am ready to have some sunshine on my shoulders. (laughs) Before we get started, I want to let you know that I am aware of some of the glitchiness that's going on in my audios. I don't hear that when I'm recording, but starting in the next couple weeks, I'm going to be in the studio, so we shouldn't even have this issue any longer. We'll see. (laughs) So before we get started, let's talk about love, shall we? (laughs) Love can be very strange and wonderful at the same time. And We often say we are falling in love. We are falling in love. (laughs) But is it more like falling into a trap? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Love is beautiful. Okay, it really is. But if you think about it, we fall in love. And when this happens, when we think we're falling in love, we kind of lose control. And sometimes, you know, we can't help ourselves. We're just, we can't catch ourselves from slipping down. And then in the process, we lose ourselves. And then we find ourselves entangled in this web of love. And this can either be beneficial or detrimental, really. But I think, you know, falling in love is we don't really know what we're falling into. So really what we should do is raise each other up, not pull each other down. <laughs> Which seems to so often happen within relationships. But what is love anyway? Do we truly know what love is? And I ask some of my friends and clients who may be having some challenges in their relationships. And the one thing I ask is, are you truly in love with your partner? Like deeply in love? And some of the replies that I get include, I think so, or I used to be. But the most common one is, I don't know. And obviously for men, this can be a real struggle, right? Because they're conditioned to be so disconnected from their inner world, from their inner mapping. 
and there's plenty of women as well with this problem. I'm not at all excluding women, but this can make love very misunderstood in the world. There's a lot of love going on in the world with conditions. I'll love you if, if you make me feel good, if you uh, provide for me, if you have sex with me. And these are all silly examples, but you know what I'm talking about. You get my drift here. Most people love in this way because we really can only love as deeply as we love and accept ourselves. And the majority of people don't unconditionally accept all of themselves. They only accept parts of themselves, which creates a fragmented self. Who we think we are is not who we are anyway. Who we think our partner is, isn't who they really are. That's a conditioned mind, a conditioned programmed story. It's a human identity with an ego. But what is under all the layers of life? Under that is where we exist in full light, in pure consciousness. This is why I say we create our own suffering because there is no suffering in pure universal consciousness. In this space is a sacred energy, something so strong, so euphoric. And I know you've heard me speak of it before, but it's, it's a feeling or an experience that cannot be described. And it's almost like a language or a communication of another form. But it's not at all verbal. We came from light, a source much greater than us. And that is real, unconditional love. Because no matter what happens to us in this lifetime, the moment that you truly tune in to that consciousness, you'll be immersed with the greatest gift of warmth and acceptance unconditionally. And it's the most beautiful thing you can experience. That's where heaven is. It's inside of you and you can take heaven wherever you want to go. And I think that love is deliciously gorgeous. Absolutely. But it doesn't need to be found in another. You are already it. We all are. All right. So on that note, let's just check in. Feel free to fast forward to the topic if you'd like. Sometimes I just feel very drawn to share certain things, and that's why I do whatever I do. So, okay, let's take a deep breath in, and then we're going to sigh out. <sighs> another deep breath in, and another sigh. Place your hand on your heart and just be still. 
stay quiet. Let everything around you fall away. Be present with your breath and all your bodily signals. What is it speaking to you? I'll give your mind, body, and spirit gratitude for the now moment. Another deep breath in, and then a release. And so it is. Awesome. Okay, finally, we are on to tonight's topic, open relationships. <laughs> I thought that this would be an interesting topic to discuss. Are there more people than you think interested in this type of dynamic or not? With the high number of infidelity and cheating that's taking place right now, would this be a better alternative to the norm of monogamy? Let's find out. So tonight we're going to cover what exactly is an open relationship and how does it differ from a polyamorous relationship? Who's more interested in an open relationship, men or women? How common are they? What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of this type of dynamic? Ways that you can address having an open relationship with a partner and can open relationships survive? We are a sea of billions, billions of individuals with all our own unique characteristics with such a large variety out there. So whether we're in a relationship or not, it's going to be normal for us to be drawn or attracted to other individuals. But <laughs> you don't have to want to be with someone just because you find them beautiful or attractive. On the other hand, though, you might be completely in love with your spouse or partner and still want to look into another person's aura, sexuality, or traits, whatever. If you are in a relationship, I understand that maybe just the thought of your significant other finding another person attractive might make you a little crazy inside. <laughs> but others, on the other hand, they may get turned on by the idea of their partner finding another person attractive or just thinking about their person with another person excites them. So we're all wired totally different in our own unique ways. If you have a strong, loving relationship, none of this really matters anyway. Attraction, it's just chemical reaction, right? And for some, 
That chemical can burn for a lifetime. For others, it will gradually die out. The social and the physical parameters of what constitutes a romantic relationship is definitely changing, isn't it? (laughs) Especially from our parents and our grandparents and how they've been brought up, right? What they've learned. It's clear that a conventional romantic relationship consisted of two people, whether dating or married, was a monogamous relationship. For a long time, regular monogamous relationships were the most fundamental and popular kind of connection in society, at least in public. I mean, I think a lot of this went on, but people's personal lives were kept far more private back then than what they are in today's society. Nowadays, with the growth of technology, we're so overloaded and exposed to many more opportunities. And what's happening is that the dynamics of sexuality and relationships are shifting. The emotional intelligence of young people is on a decline because of the disconnection and the lack of interpersonal interactions due to porn, gaming, uh, Snapchat, and all the other apps out there. No work is required. Everything is right at the tips of their fingers on their phone. In fact, only 29% of millennials believe that marriage and children should be a societal priority. Dating in high schools and college has dropped tremendously from the past 10 to 20 years. And it's really actually sad. If we look at what's happening now, let's look at robots, for example, not to get off topic, but people are now beginning to build relationships with these sex bots and these silicone life-size blow-up dolls. And they're having this sexual, emotional, intimate relationship with them. And with the robots, you can have an ongoing back and forth conversation with these bots. These things will actually moan as if they're having an orgasm. There's facial expressions. You can get these things for like anywhere from six to $10,000, I think. Now, obviously, this <laughs> is a one-sided relationship, right? <laughs> I mean, robots don't have feelings. But I personally think this can be very damaging to the psyche of another person growing an emotional connection to something that isn't real. And I'm not judging anyone who entertains this at all. That's not where this is coming from. I just think it's dangerous. And I do find myself questioning the intentions of those creating such things. You know, we need human interaction or civilization will collapse then there's only going to be robots. And I'm just really concerned for humanity. Anyway, we are in a time where expression, where wide-eyed curiosity and openness are more profound than ever. And at the forefront, especially with the younger generations. And of course, these type of relationships have always really taken place get back on track, meaning the non-monogamous relationships. I think these activities among people have always existed behind closed doors. 
just wasn't as prevalent and I guess trendy (laughs) as what we're witnessing today. Obviously, non-monogamy is not for everyone, (laughs) but it is for some. But I think the big question is, do the open relationships actually last? You know, does it make the bond stronger or does it make it weaker? And if the conversation actually does come up with someone, is there even a bond to begin with? According to psychology, there's several different types of non-monogamy relationships to choose from. And the diversity of non-monogamy relationship differs in terms of maybe levels of honesty, uh, the sexual openness, the relevance of rules and structures, and the emotional connection. So just to name a few, some include polygamy. This is when we have multiple wives. Then there's polyamory. This is when someone has multiple romantic and sexual partners, but is not married to any of them. And then we have the open relationships. This is having a consensual agreement to be with other people sexually. Then there's swinging or a better term is partner swapping, which is basically engaging in sexual activities with other parties, which is usually done in a group. And I was curious because I honestly thought that a polyamorous relationship was kind of the same as an open relationship, but I was a little bit wrong. Even though they're very similar, polyamory is more about committing and having these connections to the individuals outside of the relationship. And the term polyamory actually translates to many lovers. Open relationships seem to be mostly about sex with other people outside of the partnership. So obviously monogamy seems more natural for some people and others not so much. And then there's some that kind of feel a little bit unsure about any of it. But let's look at some of the statistics. A recent study claims that it's male, gay, lesbian, bisexuals, and those who identify as other or non-Hispanic make up the majority of individuals who have engaged in these open relationships. But according to a YouGov study of over about 23,000 Americans, roughly a quarter, so 25% of Americans express interest in having an open relationship, men at 32% are more likely than women at 19% to have interest in a non-monogamous relationship. This is also true among married couples. About 30% of men are interested, whereas only about 21% of wives are. So... <laughs> One in five Americans who claim to be single have been involved in a consensual open relationship. Around four to nine percent of American adults engage in some sort of open relationship, but I really think that this number is starting to grow. So, as you can see, men win the prize for this, <laughs> they're more willing to explore than women. But can men truly handle this? What 
are some of the advantages and disadvantages to this type of open relationship anyway? Like what takes place? What, what do we need to know? Well, for one, we have freedom when we're entering this type of relationship. We have freedom to, to make our own choices, right? Freedom to take responsibility for our actions and the freedom to learn and develop and evolve as a person. This is all important. The second one is we're reigniting our sexual energy, right? The beauty of open relationship is the symbiotic aspect of being both single and in a partnership. And what this does, it allows you to harness your sexual energy and use it to its best potential. After all, sexual energy is really the most powerful energy we have. Three is you get to explore new experiences and interests along with learning the same from other people. Four, it might bring more sex into your relationship with your partner, with your current partner. Five, there's less pressure on having to maybe fulfill another's needs. There's, so there's less responsibility. Six, you may have deeper conversations about your wants and needs. Seven, you're getting more of your needs met. Eight, it might actually help dissolve jealousy if you have a jealousy issue. I wouldn't count on that though. (laughs) Nine, you may begin to trust each other more. Ten, there may be less fear if the relationship does fail. Eleven, you'll make new friends. <laughs> 12, you'll be more open minded. 13, you won't need to rely on a partner for everything. So, there's some of the advantages. They sound kind of good, right? Yes. Now, let's move on to the disadvantages. <laughs> well, let's just talk about the STDs. <laughs> This is a major problem because they're so easily transmitted. If you have an open relationship with, say, two or three or four or five other people, how many people are they having open relationships with as well? So to me, this just seems like a recipe for disaster. There's actually been a 30% increase in STDs between 2015 and 2019. And since 2015, gonorrhea has increased 56%, chlamydia increased 19%, syphilis increased 74%. And since 2019, approximately 34,800 new HIV infections occurred in the United States. And I don't know that people are aware of this, but STDs can increase your risk of cancer. Okay. So that's pretty huge as a disadvantage. Don't mean to be a party pooper, but I mean, (laughs) this is just, I don't know, nothing to mess around with. Next, there's jealousy issues. So think about your partner having these sweet conversations and sexual playtimes with others. This can really trigger a range of emotions like anger, sadness, loneliness, and then there's revenge, okay? There's maybe secrecy, 
you know, can really depend on your partner to be completely open and honest and communicate all the honest answers to the questions that you might have for them. There might be difficulties setting priorities, deciding who to spend time with and when to spend time with who. Could you imagine? I mean, having one partner is challenging enough. Imagine adding two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight to the mix. I mean, how many, I wonder really like how many people when they're in an open relationship, like how many people that they, they play with at one time, <laughs> you know, it's just interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Okay. I'm sure it's only like two or three, <laughs> but I could be wrong. It can also be very expensive. If you're constantly doing things, you know, with numerous people, it's gonna, you know, you're spending money. It may cause a lot of stress and anxiety. You know what I mean? You know, wondering what's happening in, in the other partnerships that your person's experimenting and getting involved with. That can really kind of bring a lot of anxiety and stress. Okay, so how would we address this idea to a partner if we're interested in having this type of relationship? And I think before, before bringing this conversation up with a significant other, I suggest that you really do your diligence in thinking this through properly. Many times, things outside of what we have may appear to be so much better than our current reality, only to discover that it isn't the case at all. Some steps that you can take if you are entertaining the thought of this is to first it's vital to be very, very self-assured, you know, have an intense look at the advantages and disadvantages. Like I mentioned, there's plenty of helpful information on the web with open forums about the topic. And this is a discussion that one must be very, very gentle with. <laughs> Consider your approach and how it might affect your partner emotionally or mentally. Because usually, really, one person wants it more than the other. I mean, there's times where they both want it. But for the majority of the time, it's usually one person wants it more. Be prepared to answer a lot of questions. Because if this isn't something that your partner might not be expecting... This can really take them back, you know? And then they might feel like there's some kind of a crack in the foundation of the relationship, which is going to throw up some red flags. So it's essential to be perfectly clear and honest in the details about why you want an open relationship. What is the purpose of having an open relationship for you? You know, what are you trying to achieve? And... How are you going to go about finding new partners? How are you going to protect what is good in your current relationship? Do you have a healthy, strong relationship with your partner, both sexually and emotionally? Are you confident and ready for the idea of your partner having sexual connections with other people, just as you are? Do you have a jealous personality? 
Are you both willing to take the risk of losing each other? You know, what will happen if one of you wants to call it quits in the relationship? And I think another important question is, are you using this as an escape route to get out of the relationship? Because I think oftentimes we don't have the courage to hurt our partner. So we kind of go about it in, in the wrong way. But, you know, anyway, so if your partner brings this topic up to you, so say you're on the other end and you don't want an open relationship, but your partner comes to you and says, Hey, so-and-so. So I was thinking, how about we explore an open relationship? Now, you want to go back and think about everything that I just mentioned here, but you can also ask yourself before committing to this type of dynamic, am I doing this for me genuinely or am I doing it to please my partner's needs and look at both and see which feeling is stronger, the feeling of wanting to experience something new the feeling of giving them the tremendous freedom that you think they need. You know, honesty, you can never go wrong with that. It's the best policy out there. If both you and your partner are up for this, I think that you can have an amazingly satisfying relationship. You know, the rules and the boundaries you set are between you. There was a psychological study conducted by the University of Guelph. Author Jessica Wood found that people in consensual, non-monogamous relationships experience the same levels of relationship satisfaction, psychological well-being, and sexual satisfaction than those in monogamous relationships. And according to a new paper in the Psychology and Sexuality Journal from, I think it was 2021, couples in open relationships are 20% happier on average, have a more passionate love life, and are less stressed than those in monogamous relationships. I wouldn't suggest that you just kept in mind the idea that an open relationship for some people could just possibly be due to a fear of commitment and maybe an unwillingness to take responsibility. So we can always keep that in the back pocket. (laughs) So do these types of relationships truly succeed? Well, open relationships can always have a great positive start, right? A lot of excitement and this and that with a considerable increase in sexual pleasure. But like everything else, when the novelty wears off, however, they're likely to face the same exact issues as a monogamous relationship with really decreased sexual urge and satisfaction. You know, the new open partner might go from being new and exciting and different to being the same old, same old, right? That chemical burns off. 
open marriages have a 92% failure rate and and 80% of people in the open marriages experience jealousy of, of the other person. And it can also be stated that if the foundation of the marriage or relationship is a little faulty or cracking, the idea of an open relationship is not going to fix it and make it worse. So that's, that's the information that I have for you. Now, my takeaway on this is, you know, I'm very free spirited gypsy soul. So the idea of freedom and independence is absolutely wonderful. But (laughs) I've had this for almost six years now. I've had all the time in the world to explore different people and experiences, but instead, spirit led me on one of the best inward journeys of my life, finally realizing that the love I was seeking outside of myself is already here, and I'm finally whole and complete in my life, and I know that the right one will enter my life in divine timing. And when he does, that's not going to be someone worth taking a gamble on losing. To me, relationships and sexual energy are sacred. And this, my dear friends, is a wrap. (laughs) I hope that you have an amazing fantastic week. I thank you so much for listening and I look forward to being with you next week. Take care.